everybody. Welcome to the Tomato Tomato podcast, a podcast that talks about movies and the way that they're reviewed, and particularly one movie review site called Rotten Tomatoes. So I'm Jenna, and joining me as always is my co-host. Me, Chris. Uh, I am the co-host of the Tomato Tomato podcast. (laughs) And today we're doing something that we haven't done in a long while. Um, Part of it was us taking all of the hiatuses and stuff, but we're kind of doing our not really monthly recap, but just kind of I guess it's like an end of summer recap. Is that how we can angle it? That yeah, that, that would be a good uh, way to describe this. Because we meant to do one or two of these, um, but life and things happen. So here we are now. It's gonna. So we're gonna call them a tomato harvest. Yes, and that name was suggested by friend of the show. Russ Burlingame. So thank, so thank you for that. Yeah, Otherwise, they would have just been called a recap, roundup things. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. And it would have been. Not as creative as uh, Tomato Harvest. I'm just picturing like recap monthly things just being the title on, on <laughs> iTunes and everyone being like, what the fuck is this? Like, are they okay? <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so today we're going to talk about kind of the summer movie landscape as a whole. Now that the summer movie season is officially over, it's like it's weird being in October and it's still feeling like summer to me because it is like 85 degrees outside and I wear shorts more often than not. So it's like I'm I'm sick of this 90 degree weather. Yeah. Uh, The calendar says it's fall, but the weather says otherwise. Yeah. So it's weird to me to be like, oh, yeah, the summer, summer movie season's like actually over because I feel like I'm in this like never ending summer. But but yeah, so now summer movie season is behind us and people are already kind of writing retrospectives about the summer movie season and about how it underperformed it in like as opposed to past years and kind of what greatly underperformed. Yeah. And like what was supposed to be like what they think is the blame for it. And as we saw in the first tomato harvest that like kind of got us started doing this, like the monthly recaps, uh, like in addition to our main episodes is that people love blaming rotten tomatoes and we love it's it's the fall guy, you know, it's, it's the go-to thing for when a movie doesn't do well, who's the first one blamed? It's Rotten Tomatoes. Which, like, I, I, I would be lying if I said that I haven't had that mindset before, especially. Oh, we all have. Yeah, it. especially. It's 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 so ingrained. <laughs> yeah. In, like the the public consciousness to go to Rotten Tomatoes, check out the score of a movie, and determine whether we'll see it or not, or just uh, what everyone else thinks about it. Well, and, like, in terms of blaming it, I, I mean, like, a, a, a main part of my last, like, of 2016 was basically, like, ah, oh, Rotten Tomatoes sucks. Like, they, all, everyone hates the DCEU movies because of Rotten Tomatoes and blah, 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 blah. Like, I kind yeah, of made it. We, in, yeah, there's, like, this, uh, I don't know, like, confirmation bias or something where uh, you you'll go against the negative reviews because you don't agree with them. So you'll kind of cherry pick 
things but when it's in your favor then it's like oh rotten tomatoes is good they've they've come around now yeah like when the wonder woman scores came out everyone was like oh thank god rotten tomatoes is okay again holy shit yay like and we all we all kind of have had that depending on whatever like film franchise you're really into or a particular film that you're rooting for or whatever or if you're just like a person who doesn't want movies to suck so like if you're kind of suck like sick of like the the franchise overload kind of thing of just like past intellectual properties and stuff then it's like well no wonder everything keeps getting shitty rotten tomato scores because it's just copies of copies of copies and whatever like i've heard people say that too so everyone just kind of loves using rotten tomato scores as this big reason for movies to fail and there was yeah there was a piece in the new york times on september 7th that kind of ran into all of that and then also went in depth in some pretty surprising ways to kind of talk about like how Rotten Tomatoes affects operates yeah Yeah. and how it operates which was really surprising so basically the uh this New York Times piece kind of starts off with what we've touched on already how this last 2017 summer box office uh didn't perform as well as people had expected or hoped uh, it had a 15% decline uh, from last year, despite, like we were saying, all the big summer blockbusters and sequels and franchise movies. Um, and Hollywood is uh, blaming Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it. Um, which I, I, I'm so dumb. I just had to Google when Labor Day was because I thought it was like Memorial <laughs> Day. So I was like, wait, May and Labor Day is like a really short amount of time. And then I'm like, oh, no, wait, they mean like the entire summer. <laughs> but because I was thinking about it, if you were just accounting for like the first month of summer movie releases, it, 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 would, it would seem kind of valid that that stuff would not be performing as well. Like, yeah, you had Guardians and stuff like that, but, like, as we kind of talked about in our earlier recap episodes, there was a lot of, like, weird franchise movies that were coming out, like yes. Baywatch and Alien Which seems Covenant. like forever ago yeah, at this does. point. Yeah, it It feels like a lifetime ago. But, like, Alien Covenant and Transformers and stuff, and it just kind of felt like, like, what can we get every, out there at the beginning? Every weekend... This last summer, starting from May till the end of August, had some new big movie. And I think that's one of the real problems of why this summer underperformed is because there's just too much. Yeah. Uh, Summer uh, time for movies is bloated. Uh, People are being more discernible. They have to choose which movies they see and which ones they skip. It's like I can I'm going to skip Alien Covenant and I'm going to see Dunkirk or whatever and then people kind of maybe go off Rotten Tomatoes and determine which one they go to. Mm-hmm. Uh so I mean I remember summers when I would see movies multiple times because there was a little more breathing room mm-hmm. between these movies. Like I would have loved to have seen uh Wonder Woman three times i i I completely missed dunkirk Mm -hmm. because i didn't get around to that Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's just too many options and i think uh one of the problems is uh, the studios put out too much uh they put quality or they, they put quantity over quality is what i should say yeah and well and i will say there is always the dollar theater to help you with what you were talking about because yeah i just remembered i was like oh yeah you haven't seen dunkirk but yeah um it 
I definitely agree with that because I remember when we were initially trying to figure out, we were initially going to do like a full episode for this week. And I was kind of looking initially at what was coming out the week that this episode is being released. And there was just so much stuff, but it also was nothing of substance, really. Like, I completely forgot that um flatliners apparently yes was released yeah it like just flew. Uh, it, it was came just, and went it was just under the radar like it's it's still in theaters but it was not really a thing where it was like oh that's leading the, the weekend or whatever <laughs> that like, remake is very appropriately named <laughs> and i do i win a reward because i'm pretty sure i'm like the like hundredth thousandth person to make that kind of <laughs> witty <laughs> remark about the movie i'm sure if you just like searched your exact phrasing on twitter you would find someone who has already tweeted it i clearly have original witty remarks here so <laughs> well did you see um paul f Tompkins re- retweeted someone last week when flatliners came out and they were basically like yeah i was in whatever studio made flatliners i was in their office seven years ago and i saw a copy copy of flatliners on their desk on like the ceo's desk and i asked hey what's that for and she said oh yeah we're thinking of remaking it and he said so this day is very special to me <laughs> <laughs> so it was just kind of funny because it's like yeah that, that movie is just completely under the radar but it's also one of those things where i wouldn't i would i wouldn't not see that movie but i'm also not going to make the trip to the movie theater and deal with the whole event of going to a movie just to see that i'm kind of in the mindset of like i'll just wait till it's on streaming somewhere and that is the mentality of everyone Mm -hmm. i feel like because that is a movie's like oh that looks good but not good enough to go to the movie theater and spend upwards of 30 dollars yeah which we can get in that the article also talks about movie prices and all of that but like the new flatliners it's a remake of a movie that maybe not everyone remembers yeah um but yeah like you were saying it's a movie that i would catch on cable or streaming mm-hmm. well and uh, part like of Netflix that is streaming. diego luna being in it I, as soon as he was in the trailer i'm like i will check out this movie at some point in my life <laughs> but yeah it's like it, it is one of those things where you you really do have to kind of pick and choose and it feels like a lot of how that is chosen is almost based off of like your own personal like hype towards a movie or everyone else's hype towards a particular movie and what you're aware of too yeah well because like because like i was not planning on going to go see dunkirk until my dad was like everyone is talking about dunkirk and everyone says you have to see it in the theater so let's go see it in the theater and i was like okay so then like it, it is kind of that thing like that and then there were like going back to wonder woman there were all these people in my life who do not really care about franchise movies on that scale but as soon as wonder woman had like it's really successful opening weekend like every person that i talked to that week was like yeah we're gonna go see wonder woman later have you seen wonder woman yet oh my gosh blah 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 and it like it made me so happy because it was because of that hype and that positive like response to it that people were willing to make the effort to go see it yes and it, it's a uh that kind of whole group mentality again that it's like i i, I it's hard to tell if it, it, we can't quantify how much the tomato meter uh, affects their decision whether if it's word of mouth or them going to rotten tomatoes every week or even like tv spots now and on the cover of 
DVD releases, there'll be a thing mm-hmm. that's a certified fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so all these people studios were, are yeah. yeah, studios are trying to play that up. Like they know the impact it can have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll. It's so weird seeing rotten or uh, rated fresh on the cover of like Wonder Woman. Yeah, or I was just about to Big say that. Sick or something. Yeah, like it's a good thing, but it is kind of weird. Like even if it's on like the back cover, like the little icon, it's still like, oh yeah, okay. But it's not like someone is necessarily going to go, oh, well, I'm obviously picking up that movie now at the like at, at Walmart or whatever because it says that it's rated fresh. Yeah, like, it's like, I only buy movies that have ra- rated fresh stickers on them. Like, like, this isn't Oprah's book club. I think we're yes. fine. <laughs> but especially because movies are so damn expensive when you buy them in a home release. That's my yes. thing is that, like, yes, going to movies is an effort, but you also can kind of not cheat the system, but, like, you can go at certain times of day or you can like yeah use you can you can make it to where it's not spending a huge amount of money to go see a certain movie but when it comes to like a home release you basically you either get the really simple home release which is just like the dvd in a shitty box and then you call it a day or you get like one of eight different special editions and then you're like ah fuck which one is the best one to get i have no (laughs) idea so no so yeah. yeah and then going off of that so like Imagine if you're a family of four and you want to see the newest, like, family movie. Mm-hmm. Going to the movie theater, it's expensive. Even if you go see a matinee, mm-hmm. I mean, tickets can be, yeah, I mean, average 8 to $10 mm-hmm. if you're seeing it on a regular formatted screen. Mm-hmm. So you're paying upwards of $40 for one movie. Whereas, like, if you're that family, spend the $10 or whatever a month for Netflix to have unlimited movies Mm -hmm. and that's another factor that i think kind of affects underperforming movies is why go to the movie when it's already here yeah where i mean like it is kind of that experience because like i'll go through netflix and i'll be like ah there's nothing i really want to see like this is all fine but there's nothing that grabs me but like i don't know it like it's a little bit different I think when there is kind of a communal hype around a movie that's in a theater and then it, it does kind of extend over into the home release a little bit. Like when Netflix suddenly has like the most recent Marvel movie or a star Wars movie or whatever, it's like, Oh shit, this is a big deal. Even if I didn't see it in the theater, I still get yeah. to kind of like be part of the hype sort of and save money because I'm not spending like however much it would have cost to go see rogue one in the theater with my entire family (laughs) so yeah and like and but like so like and then there's a group of people who get to see these movies for free oftentimes and and that's the critics Mm -hmm. and uh, if they even get to see the movie at all because you know there's the the play that studios make where they will uh withhold reviews or whatever they'll have embargoes until like the day before it's release the Mm -hmm. movie's release Mm -hmm. um just so the tomato meter will be uh blank so it won't affect their 
weekend box office. Yeah, that had never occurred to me until I read this article because it talks about what you're saying with the Emoji movie where it was like, we're not going to let any critics, like critics saw the movie beforehand, but they were not allowed to post their review until opening day because then it's like, then like you said, people can go online and buy their tickets and make all of their plans and then they realize that the movie kind of sucks. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it... And- which is which is funny because it, it almost makes you think that the studio is aware that the movie sucks mm-hmm. and they knowingly want to kind of get in front of it and kind of maximize the, their box office as much as they can before people realize, oh, this movie is shit. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and, and in most cases, a lot of the embargoes and stuff are kind of the week of or like around that sort of span of time because like as as like a dcu fan it would always be like okay the tuesday before the movie comes out on friday like (laughs) that's that's kind of the the decision day of like is rotten tomatoes gonna like this movie yes or no but so it like even then if you're someone like us who buys their ticket a month in advance to make sure to like, I'm, I'm going to see it opening night at this time and all that sort of stuff, you end up unintentionally giving that like embargo lifting this big significance because it's like, well, is it going to be worthwhile that I planned this far <laughs> ahead to go see this movie or no? But like, it really shouldn't be because everyone, I mean, at the end of the day, you're still going to like the movie in one way or another. You know going into it if it's going to be worth your time or not, if you exactly, plan yeah. that if, far ahead. Exactly. You've already put in the investment to buy the ticket. You've already watched all the trailers. You've talked about it. You've planned. So you're going to go in liking it, most likely. Um, it's the people who go on Friday, Saturday, Sunday who didn't buy their tickets in advance, who heard from the people on that Thursday or Friday night if it was worth going. Yeah. And it, it is just kind of fascinating how there's so many layers to how, like, the word of mouth kind of comes about and how that wasn't really, as ne- like, necessarily a thing beforehand. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else in this article or whatever that, like, what of this we can really talk about because there is a lot to unpack here. There is. Yeah. Um well, and like, so th- this this article uses um, two movies as kind of a test example of like, this movie got a really shitty rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and now the, the company that made it is really upset. And it was Baywatch and King Arthur. And like, we've kind of, we've talked about those movies kind of a we bit. We have, yeah. And like, how like how they were received so negatively on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. But even then... I knew people who enjoyed Baywatch and like I know a lot of people especially on social media who were like King Arthur is amazing and so it's like it's kind of everyone these movies still find their audiences even with the shitty scores on Rotten Tomatoes yes and that kind of gets to a thing where you have all these different movies different tastes and film is very subjective yeah you like what you like you may differ from someone else's opinions on what is good uh and that's okay i think people get uh they forget that and they they don't look at the nuances mm-hmm. and that's part of the problem of rotten tomatoes is it's it's very black and white it's fresh or rotten mm-hmm. and people don't bother to actually look at the reviews aggregated on rotten tomatoes and see the nuanced 
uh, critiques of the film, mm-hmm. whether the 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 outlet is valid or not, if they're a reputable source. <laughs> um, but people just look at the number, and it, I think it's like a systemic thing mm-hmm. in film criticism. I mean, you go back to like. Ebert and Robert, yes. who was thumbs up, thumbs down, very black and white. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have a nuanced discussion, but it always comes down to thumbs up or thumbs down. Which, like, I hated when Netflix changed their rating system to that, because it, like, <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers when it was a five-star <laughs> rating and not thumbs up and thumbs down. Because, like, I, I don't, yes, it's simpler now on Netflix if, like, I, I see a, sh- a show that I've already watched and now it's been added to Netflix, so then I go and say that it's thumbs up so that it re- recommends stuff more like that. But there was, you were able to kind of, like, more finely tune your yeah. suggestions when it was on a star rating system. Because it would be like, okay, so this person liked this type of movie so much to give it five stars let's give them way more of that type of movie but they said that they like this thing three stars so we'll only give them some of those suggestions and whatever because like a three star is like i enjoyed this i didn't think it was great yeah and one star is like this was crap five stars i loved it so again that's it has more nuance there's more room for play and recommendations as opposed to good bad that's it yeah And, like, I mean, I know that the whole crux of what Rotten Tomatoes is is, like, the simple system of it, but you, it it does make you kind of wonder of, like, what if they had, even if it wasn't, like, a star system, like, I give it five tomatoes out of five or whatever, like, then you could count that, like, you could quantify it still and it would maybe be because then it would be like the person gives it three out of five tomatoes and I guess they kind of do that with the percentage, but then even then it's not really reflective of how how much people enjoyed it. It's just of how many people enjoyed it. And then when you're aggregating all these different reviews, you're dealing with different ways of reviewing. And each reviewer has like star systems, number systems. Uh, so it's like, how do you... Or none uh, of that. Exactly. How do you like quantify or correlate all these different uh, review systems into one aggregation sh- system like uh, the the new york times article talks about one review where they said it was listed as a uh they submitted it as a fresh review yeah. but it read as rotten so they went and changed it well it wasn't even that it was submitted as fresh it's that like they personally like they have people who score things as fresh or rotten like people submit the reviews and if it doesn't have like a a numeric rating to it already then they have like three different people read it and they try to decide if it's fresh or or rotten which i thought was fascinating because i did not know that they did that me neither and and rotten tomatoes is just a staff of 36 people which is insane <laughs> like so apparently big uh hollywood studios think these 36 people have way more power than they do mm-hmm. well and also I, I i just adore the fact that one of their executives is a lady with a pink mohawk that just like me too that, she looks badass that makes my heart really happy so but yeah well and like and there is kind of this weird double-edged sword when it comes to who gets chosen to review the movies because the article goes on to talk about how they Rotten Tomatoes tried to make a point to not have it only be stuffy old white men that are reviewing the movies at like newspapers yes. and more like well-known outlets but then in the process you're kind of like it's it's like this weird sort of gatekeeping where you don't really know 
how to be able to allow someone in or not allow someone in or whatever. Cause like they might have a, a diverse voice that might be valid, but they might have like never, they, they might have like a YouTube channel with like 10 subscribers or something. Yes. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's a weird system that I think it's still being fine tuned. If it'll ever be yeah. I mean, movie criticism is not an exact science, especially when you're, aggregating so many different reviews Mm -hmm. um i don't know if this formula works it obviously has some modicum of power Mm -hmm. on moviegoers Mm -hmm. um yeah it'd be interesting to see how next summer yeah uh, compares to this one if it'll be up it'll be down but then I, it's i just don't know yeah but then it's also a thing of like then people will say oh it's just because people released better movies this summer which like there is a valid like there's a, a a valid point to that to an extent but also at the same time like i don't know but it i almost when you were saying all of that it made me think it would be interesting if Rotten Tomatoes did a thing where they looked at movies that were like controversially rated a certain way in years past. So like BVS is a prime example where it's like all the critic reviews came in and it gave it a really like a really low score and everyone was really upset and whatever. It would be interesting to do kind of like what we had with Blade Runner last week of like retrospectives of like yeah. let me review it. Let let's let's reach out to the people whose reviews impacted our first rating and then have them write some sort of review about what they think of the movie now and then see if it changes at all now that our algorithm and our like way of quantifying the reviews has gotten better. Yeah, I definitely think there would be a change. Like if you haven't listened to last week's episode, the Blade Runner episode, please go listen to that. It's an instant classic. <laughs> um, That's so but yeah, sweet. It, like it's a, cause in that episode we looked at, reviews that were 10 years apart and they had totally different opinions granted they were from two different people but two different takes on it so it's one of those things with time well and it's also one of those things where like you could ask that same person who wrote the older review and their like their point of view would probably have been the same yeah because like i know entertainment weekly does that sometimes like they'll they'll publish like a one-page spread of something and it'll be like here's a here's something that came out in like the 1990s that we gave a horrible review to but is now like an absolute classic like i think like buffy the vampire slayer was like an example of that like whoever the tv reviewer was said it was like horrible and then they asked him 20 years later like hey what do you think about it and he was like i am so sorry i love that show so much i don't know what the (laughs) i was thinking i also think part of it is now is that the new york times article goes into is the bandwagon effect yes which is only amplified by the internet Mm -hmm. and you know these days it's kind of hip to shit on things um (laughs) just a little bit partly because you know it gets clicks i understand that i i don't agree with it um but shitting on things uh, people like that for whatever reason it gets clicks and attention and people will just start dogpiling on things to shit on it endlessly well because it's it is that confirmation bias of like like okay i'm either going to read this article about something that i know is awful and i'm going to be like yay they agree with me or i'm going to disagree with that article and then read it and then be angry and like have this passionate response to it 
because of because of my own personal things when it's like this is just two people's opinions that and then you're the crazy one for defending your uh seemingly minority opinion yeah which is like it, it turns into this whole like you said it's a bandwagon thing but it's also just like it's it's so much harsher than it really needs to be yes it is it's and that's part of the thing with the outlets again is like which ones are good and which ones are just shitting on it Mm -hmm. for the sake of it and not actually having a nuanced actual analysis of the film what works what doesn't work instead of this was stupid i don't like it yeah that's not that's not a film review well that's like that's not that shouldn't be allowed in yeah like have you seen um stephen colbert has like a bit that he does on his show where he plays a youtube like movie reviewer who like yes yes and it, it's it's the, great it, it, it's great i'll link to it in the description for this episode if you don't know what i'm talking about but it kind of it, it plays on that sort of review culture and how people will rate a movie so poorly because of their own personal bullshit and not because of how well the movie is actually made yeah i feel like uh, a lot of people they'll have a certain set of expectations and what they want the movie to be Mm -hmm. and don't review it on what it actually is. Yeah. And it just kind of creates this whole conundrum because then it's like, okay, so this particular person Mm -hmm. didn't like that movie, but did everyone else at that outlet agree? Or was it just like this, like this own personal opinion? And you'll see that even more so with genre and franchise movies Mm -hmm. because these people will, take ownership or claim ownership of that thing Mm -hmm. of that movie yeah and it's like they didn't handle it the way i would so the people who made this thing are wrong well that was exactly what happened with bvs is it's like this isn't my superman this isn't my batman it's like okay you can like you can think that and that is a totally valid opinion yeah but you're also not appreciating the movie as a movie you're like you're shutting yourself off from giving this movie any potential credit because you're just uh, upset by like particular aspects of it but yeah um and then i'm looking because like to, to kind of tie into the summer movie cycle there's a thing that rotten tomatoes has on their website which is like the summer movie guide and it, it gives like a scorecard of all of the different movies that came out and what like how they did in comparison to each other which by the way i am really happy because the big sick yeah. is number one <laughs> Which, uh, that makes me so happy. It is it like I'm 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 really glad because then it's like the big sick, Baby Driver, Dunkirk, Planet of the Apes, Wonder Woman is sixth, which is good, and then yeah, top yeah, ten. Yeah, top ten's good. So and like the weird thing is though is like there's one movie in the top ten I do not know. It's called All Saints. I'm like, how the hell did you get in the top ten? If like yeah, I was not familiar with that one. Yeah, but like all of the other movies that are in the top ten, I've heard of. I've heard people say that they enjoyed. Like there has been some level of hype, whether it's on like the big, oh my god, you have to go see Wonder Woman scale, or it's the like small two artsy film people who are like, hey, yes. a ghost story is really good. <laughs> like <there's, laughs> it's kind of different sample sizes of people, but you still hear. People People being like, this is so good, and you, it, it does then make sense that they end up being in the top ten. Well, and like when we're talking about personal preferences and about how, like, 
um, whether or not something is for everybody and how stuff is kind of getting too niche. Like the, the franchise that I was kind of thinking of with that, it's not really in the summer movie cycle, but it's still kind of topical right now, is Kingsman. Because yeah. it's it's very much an example of not a lot of people saw the first one. Like it had a it has a following, and it, it had people who watched it, but it wasn't necessarily a thing where like the overall general pop population was like wanting a sequel really badly. So then you have people who either have no idea what it is or are familiar with it or whatever. And so then like when you look at the review for that, the tomato meter is at 50%, which is like exactly, wow. it's exactly like this either was for me because I did like the first one or it absolutely wasn't for me. <laughs> That's lower than I would have expected. Yeah. Cause it like, and it, it was kind of interesting because every review that I had seen of it was either, if you know what to expect, this is a really good movie, or if you don't know to what to expect, you're not going to like this movie. I was expecting maybe around 60% mm -hmm. based on what I was hearing before, but 50, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a split, yeah. Like you were saying, it's you either knew you were going to love it or hate it. and Well, and I mean, there were obviously people who loved the first one and hated the second one, but you can contribute that to, like, sequel fatigue or, like, your own personal reasons for something. But it is kind of very much divided to where, like, and like you said, it is kind of like a niche thing. Yeah, it's all, the whole, everything, it's all becoming segmented, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. It's... Yeah, I can go into that with <laughs> Netflix and stuff. So I will save everyone for like my the, the Netflix like sections where it's like um, lesbian movies God. featuring a strong female protagonist or whatever. Like not even that. Like there's more ridiculous ones than that. But yeah, like it, it's so specific. Which on Netflix would make sense because you're coming from like decades of movies and international movies and all this sort of stuff to where yeah you can have like 12 movies to fit in a category but you also do not need to be that specific no like at all but so yeah it that in particular is just kind of it's always hilarious to me but <laughs> i'm looking at the scorecard thing and i scrolled by the house and now i'm just thinking of chance the rapper our new yeah. our new dream guest for this podcast because he's i don't even know what the movie house is it's will ferrell and amy poehler and they oh that they one yeah, their yeah, house yeah into a casino yeah like see that that's another thing like this summer has been so packed with movies i completely forgot about that one <laughs> yeah because it's like stuff will come out and you'll completely you'll be either like wait that was out already or you won't even have known that it was going to be a thing until you go to the theater and then you're like huh that exists okay yeah i'm still gonna go see this big franchise movie instead but all right <laughs> i scrolled down to the comments of the scorecard thing and the first comment says, so much crapola. I'll be spending the summer with good books. <laughs> yeah, good on you. You're making a good decision there. Like, all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, when you were scrolling through the article, did you see kind of anything else worth? Thing that I could think of, but I don't know how much we could, it, the fact that Rotten Tomatoes is owned by universal yeah i didn't know that i knew that i they... knew they were i i didn't know they were owned by universal because i remember 
they were owned by Warner Brothers at mm. one point. I didn't know they were bought out mm-hmm. from I, them. I didn't know even that either of the studios owned them. I, I've, like, kind of thought that they were really their own thing. I knew they were tied to Fandango because, like, I know I've talked about this in the past. Whenever you go on Fandango now, you, like, can see the Rotten Tomato score next to a movie, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Like we said, if you're kind of on the fence about something, if you're like, I'm going to go look at this movie and look at the the showings and whatever, and then you see that it is a really shitty score, you're like, well, never mind. I would, I'd be really interested in seeing the, the data yeah. from that and seeing tickets sold with movies that are uh, rotten versus fresh and and seeing kind of the the whole there's a lot of interesting data that i that can be called from that definitely they should release that yeah because i'd like to see week to week especially with like big franchise movies Mm Hmm. yeah i totally agree because like there it, it does end up kind of affecting it and like this article mentions that it mentions the fandango thing and also how like the rotten tomato score shows up when you google a movie and stuff like that so it is kind of this omnipresent thing that like people don't even necessarily realize it is yeah it's such a weird thing like now i'm thinking it's like rotten tomatoes has kind of this weird power i mean if you applied it to like other things in life like if you go out <laughs> to a restaurant and you see the yelp score on the door it's like ah oh, they don't have a good yelp score let's not go there that is um, totally true like it's such a weird thing like if you applied it i don't know like going to the dentist and you see a dentist score it's like oh well but it's like oh that one guy gave that dentist a bad rating because he had pain because he had a root canal well of course like so it's it's a really weird thing well and like you if you people understand my analogy i totally get it and i think with restaurants the closest thing to it like there there is that to an extent but it's almost like the health inspector score (laughs) like if you just see it in the corner of the room and then you realize oh that that's not good i'm leaving but like you said you don't have a yelp score posted on the door like some restaurants might have a little like decal that says like we're on yelp or whatever but it's not even really a thing to where you constantly have to be aware of it yeah like i'm I'm hoping we're not getting to i'm hoping we're not going to get to a point where it's like let's paste the rotten tomatoes like certified fresh or certified rotten thing on the posters at the movie theater (laughs) i would i guarantee that's going to happen in the next few years uh, it'll happen that is so frustrating we will get to that point and this is the only kind of medium or just kind of the content that I can think of that is so kind of hate love and hates the 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 scores the reviews mm-hmm. for the thing because you don't see like books I mean books do have like stickers on them it's like this one the Newberry Award or whatever mm-hmm. or you don't like it's such a weird yeah well and like even with Part of it, I think, with movies is that it's such an, like we've said, like we keep saying this episode, it's such an effort to go see a movie in a theater, whereas even with television, like I know Rotten Tomatoes is a bit into television, but like if you look at the ratings or the reviews for a particular TV show, that doesn't necessarily stop you from channel surfing and putting it on. Like, and and part of it is like it's a, a low effort thing on your part because the TV is just like a thing that's in your home. You don't have to drive twenty minutes and pay ten dollars to 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 tune into this thing. Yeah, it's it's all about availability and 
what is easiest for consumers and overwhelmingly what's easiest for them is having a Netflix subscription. <laughs> You're just like pro Netflix on this episode. I kind of am. They're not paying me, I swear. But if they want to. <laughs> We're not selling out. It's too early. Yet. We're in like episode Yet. nine. <laughs> like, I, we're almost in double digits. I think we can sell out. No, honey. No. <laughs> if anything, we'll get sponsorships like all of the good podcasts. And then <laughs> we can sell out to Nature Box, and you will be very happy yes. about that. <laughs> yes. I would love to have a Nature Box sponsorship. <laughs> just, just tweet at Nature Box. Hey, Nature Box, do you want to sponsor our podcast? Please. Let me slide onto your DMs. Please, for the love of God, sponsor our podcast. <laughs> that would be really funny. I, I'm sure they would respond, possibly, like in, in some way. <laughs> and it would be kind of hilarious. But yeah, well, they could they could tweet at me, at uh, at the Chris Vito. Mm-hmm. That's where I am uh, on social media. <laughs> You're just getting right into the plugs. I thought it was a good segue. <laughs> I'm like, I guess we've wrapped up because now he's in the plug section. Okay. Well, did you have more to say? No, I didn't. But I, I like I I think there's both a million things to talk about on this subject, but also nothing more to talk about on this yes. subject. Well, that's why yeah, they can join us next month that for is the true. next uh, tomato yeah, harvest. Yeah, there's even like there's so much shit happening with like fall movies now. We could have done like two episodes just about yeah. here's the summer and then here's the fall and a lot of the fall whenever we get to it will be me talking about what the fuck is happening with mother because that is still so fascinating to me. God. The fact that it has an F on like I think it's cinema score or whatever which is kind of the closest thing to the audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes where it's like we you poll people on an opening night and see if it was what they expected and the marketing was so shitty that everyone gave it an F because it's like no that was not what the fuck did you just let me watch I I know next to nothing about that movie (laughs) but I'm so happy it has an F it like Ah, I it is one of those things where it was like I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I ended up reading an entire recap of the movie because I was like, "What the fuck is this that's so disturbing that like everyone is losing their minds over?" And then I found out what it is, and I'm like, "Okay, if I didn't know that going in, I would not be happy." <laughs> but also, so I can understand how it ended up being so negatively received by people, which is just kind of it's fascinating to me because there's a difference between like critics occasionally hating a movie just because of like petty reasons and people vehemently being like this was not what I signed up for what did you just show me (laughs) so there's just so much nuance to all of this yes so people actually you need to get lost in the details yes go do yourself service go actually read the reviews yes don't just look at the scores decide for yourself don't let Rotten Tomatoes instantly impact whether or not you're going to go see a movie just kind of do the research yourself if you really care enough to think about going to see a movie you can read two reviews and see whether or not it's like actually worth your time I think. yeah do like we, we do on this podcast look at varying reviews negative positive don't just have confirmation bias and look at the ones well that'll just uh, bolster your opinion yeah Exactly. So um, that's our takeaway from this podcast. That's the whole <laughs> thesis behind this thing that we do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it sounds like we're like we like this whole podcast has been a book report, and now we're concluding it. But we aren't. Don't worry, <laughs> we're good. I think we made the word count. 
<laughs> the the poison, Cusco's poison, the poison that Cusco will drink, blah 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 blah. <laughs> I love that bit so much. But um but yeah, it and yeah, like I'm saying though, this is not the end of the podcast. This is no, not no, our, no. this is not our conclusion. We're just being we're very like esoteric today. But yeah, there's we have many more to come about talking about stuff like this. We have a fun episode hopefully planned next week. We were planning some stuff for like November that I'm really excited for. So yeah, keep listening to us because we have yes. fun. Yeah. And you can make sure you keep listening by subscribing on iTunes. Yes. Leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter. At, at tomato pod tomato tomato pod yeah that <laughs> and you also can follow me on twitter at hey it's jenna lynn i never plugged that before so <laughs> i'm like yeah i guess i should do that um but yeah i guess that's it that's it all right this was fun yeah until next time keep watching movies bye bye <laughs>